Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. Hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter podcast. Today is episode two of the June takeover for The Hill and News Nation. And I am joined today by Brian Enton, who is the senior national correspondent for News Nation. Brian, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So I have to tell you, before I do any research and, and I start talking to, to folks for the show, um, I start to go back and look at clips and look at stories and, you know, kind of what folks are covering and how, you know, how they're handling them. You have really covered some pretty heavy and emotional topics for News Nation over the course of your experience. Will you tell me a little bit about, as the national senior national correspondent, you appear to be everywhere. Talk to me a little bit about the work you do. Yeah, um, it is kind of crazy. I'm on the road pretty much every week. Um, unfortunately, I don't cover a lot of like happy stories. Once in a while, I do. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's kind of serious news, a lot of tragedies, um, you know, a ton of hurricanes during hurricane season, covered a lot of um, mass shootings, unfortunately. Um, I've been doing a lot of true crime reporting lately. So a lot of um, awful murders and crimes happening all over the country really from from coast to coast i live my you know my home base my house is in miami um but you know i'm on the road pretty much four to five days a week um you know anywhere from boise idaho to la to new york to a lot of small towns um you know at news nation we really pride ourselves on covering stories that other people aren't always picking up on a lot of times that takes me to you know Middle America to um, I'm working on a documentary right now on um, China building factories in small towns in the Midwest. Um, so, you know, big cities, small towns, I, I kind of go all over the place. Wow. Well, I can't wait to watch that, the documentary about China and Middle America. That's a little bit nerve wracking. Um, but you do, you have a lot of the, these are heavy, heavy issues and you don't just cover them for a day or two. A lot of times you really stay with those stories. Um, you were in, you were in Idaho for the murders. Is that right? Or for, to cover yeah. some of that, right? So that was a really big topic just over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, and hurricanes, I, I have to ask though, like those are so maybe, maybe you can separate out because you're reporting on the, on the people and the, the folks that are involved, but it to me seems like a very, very heavy set of stories for you to cover on a weekly basis. How do you, how do you separate from that? What do you do to sort of take your mind off of it? Is it get back on the airplane and try to decompress or talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, you have to separate it somewhere. You just wouldn't be able to do the job every day because some of the stories are just so sad. Um, so I, I try to keep my emotions out of it most of the time, but of course, like just being a human being, um, you know, it does seep through. Um, you usually like every big story I cover. Um, there'll be like a moment where you know I, I I hold it together, and then there's just like at some point some moment where it kind of comes out of nowhere and just sort of um, like breaks through that wall, and you just can't help it. And then you kind of just like have this release, which is kind of like awkward as a reporter because you try to keep your emotions out of it and be pragmatic. But again, I mean, you can't help that you're human. Mm -hmm. um, like you mentioned, Idaho. 
I was there initially for six weeks right after the murders. Um, I was just back there for, for a court hearing. I've been back several times. Um, and that story is just so sad because you've got these innocent college kids and we're interviewing their families and it's just so messed up. Um, and I, I really, you know, had my game face on for every day. And then there was this one day that one of the victim's sisters texted me um, something um, just sort of like complimenting our coverage a little bit, but also just like thanking us. And I don't know that, that to me, just like, you know, just like got emotional in that moment. And it's, it's almost like you bottled it all up. Um, and then you just kind of have like 10 minutes to release. I also think back to like the Surfside um, building collapse. I don't know if, if oh, you remember that. That I do was really awful. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was on that one for, again, like almost two months every day at the site. Just, I mean, just awful, you know, meeting those families. Um, and I took a break afterwards and went um, like on a weekend trip to the Georgia mountains just to kind of decompress. And that was when they imploded the rest of the building. Mm. So I, uh, like was watching it on my phone um, like one night just at this like Airbnb I got in Georgia and uh, like watching the rest of it implode. It just kind of like all released, like everything I had bottled up. Absolutely. All time, you know? I mean, so for me, that's kind of, I mean, it's probably not the healthiest way. Like I wish you could get it out a little more, but for me, it's like, there's usually like this kind of unexpected moment where I just kind of like have this like emotional release, I guess you Absolutely. could Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, so I asked that because a lot of times, typically the folks that I've talked to over the course of the last two and a half years are, they're covering Capitol Hill. They're covering, I mean, January 6th was probably the biggest moment that a lot of the folks that I've talked to have covered, but, and I haven't really, I mean, because of, you know, there's not a lot of war correspondence that can break off for 30 minutes and chat with me for the podcast. You probably are the most frontline journalist that I can think of offhand that's really covering these big moments in news. And it feels like it is a nonstop steady stream. So it's it's always to me um, a curiosity about how do you do that? And obviously do it so professionally and so well. You complimented over and over again about being omnipresent and always in front of the story. A lot of folks really appreciate the work that you do out there because it is so good, but, but we're all human, right? And a lot of these stories are really intensely personal. There's a lot of lives that are affected. Um, how did you, so News Nation, for those folks who don't know a lot about News Nation, it's across the country uh, with hundreds of stations all across the country, but you're as much as you're based out of Miami, you are the national correspondent, right? So you're, um, you're really on these very big stories, but how did you get to be at news nation? I know this isn't your, this isn't your first rodeo. Tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah. So I'm, I'm 30. I just turned 38. Um, I was in local news most of my career. Um, I grew up in South Florida near, near where I live now. Um, and went to college in Missouri and then just kind of did the local news thing where you started a really small market, my first market was about as small as they come. It was like market 199. I think there's like 220 markets in this rural town in Missouri. Um, so I got my first job there doing like everything, producing. I anchored the 10 o'clock news, um, you know, a lot of like farm reports. And I remember like going live outside the grand opening of a Ruby Tuesday, like just really small town stuff, you yeah. know. But I learned so much there because you do everything. You know, you yeah. have to like everything from the ground up. And made such great friends there. And also like being from South Florida and kind of a big city, it was really good for me to live in a really small town and kind of learn that culture and part of the country. Sure. Um, so I started there and then I went to Savannah, Georgia. So like kind of moving up the chain mm -hmm. to a bigger market there where um, I don't know if you've ever been to Savannah. It's like a beautiful city. Yeah, I sure have. Uh, 
Yeah, I loved living there. I lived in the historic downtown. Um, but there's a lot of interesting news there. You know, there's a, they've got a crime problem there. They've got really interesting, colorful local politics. So there I like did more, you know, there were murders and I, I was a one man band there. So I had my own camera oh, wow. and I would go out in the middle of the night and shoot crime scenes. And I kind of got into like the nitty gritty there, uh-huh. you know, like being on the streets. Um, and then I wanted to get closer to home. So I moved then to West Palm Beach, which is near Miami, worked there for a couple of years um, and then moved to Miami, which was kind of always my dream because that's where I grew up. That was the news I grew up watching. Yeah. Um, and uh, worked for the Fox station in Miami, which, which again, like those were the anchors I grew up watching. Like for me, that was like the moment, yeah, you know, like that was it. Absolutely. I thought like I'm never leaving. Like this is the greatest you thing ever. You made it to your, um, to your network that you were hoping for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, the, um, the investigative reporter, her name was Carmel. Her name is Carmel Cafaro. She had been there like 45 years and I grew up watching her too. And she retired um, and they gave me her job, which was like, a, you know, I was wow. like the most amazing thing. So I did investigative there for three years, which is like one story a week, kind of diving into issues in South Florida. And then the News Nation opportunity came um, and it was Miami based, which, again, I just really didn't. I don't mind traveling every week, but it's nice. You know, I'm close to my parents. It's nice to be home on the weekend. Yeah. So they did, I didn't have to move. Um, and it just seemed like an exciting opportunity, like, you know, trying to do non-biased news different than Fox and CNN and MSNBC. Um, I thought it'd be exciting to work for a startup, never mm-hmm. worked for a startup before. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of took the chance and here we are. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you guys are doing great. Sorry, that was kind of a long answer to your question. No, that's exactly what I was looking for, because I think... There are so many folks like yourself that really do sort of start in these markets where you'll take you'll take the opportunity rather than where the location is, right? And because you, you know you're going to work your way up through the process. Um, and it's so funny you say that because I always feel like even when I'm traveling, if I'm watching my home, I grew up in the New York um, media market, but I always feel like when I'm when I'm settling in to watch the news and I'm on vacation and New York happens to be the network, I was like, oh, this is these are my people. I know these guys yeah. because you do. You have this as much as as much as broadcast is about educating the masses that you do sort of establish these connections to moderators and and commentators and folks that are involved in the local community in the local news community um, as you grow up and, and become more informed. So tell me then, um, I mean, you travel, it's all domestic, right? All the work that you do. Yeah, mostly, domestic. mostly domestic. Yeah. Um, I know that you were in Puerto Rico for the, for the hurricanes there. So that's about probably the furthest out that that would take you. Um, 
what kinds of, if you think back on, because so many of the stories you cover are really heavy and emotional, as we mentioned, um, if you think back on one or two, is there is there work that you're especially proud of that you've covered over the time, Brian? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, I just thinking recently, the Idaho stuff, I'm really, really proud of just because, um, you know, being there for so long. And again, I like I was talking about the text from the family. I mean, be covering that in a respectful way that the families appreciated. Um, I'm really, really proud of, and that's kind of an ongoing thing. Um, just, just things that are fresh in my mind, back to the, the documentary we're working on. We've done a lot of work um, in North Dakota and Michigan in these small towns where um, these Chinese-owned factories are uh, coming in, buying up U.S. farmland near military bases and, and trying to build these factories. In North Dakota, we were covering it and and um, finally, the U.S. Air Force got involved and, and put a stop to the factory. It's still kind of ongoing in Michigan, but I'm really proud of that. I, I'm proud of the stuff that like other people aren't covering as much mm-hmm. um, that we kind of go out on a limb and cover yeah. because it's um, it just feels important to do that. Um, and I'm, you know, like there's so many people in my role that have been in national news forever. And like sometimes even like truthfully, like I'm kind of intimidated by them. Like, wow, they worked at all these networks. Um but like, I'm proud that I was in local news until three years ago. Like, I think it maybe does set me apart a little bit. And the thing in local news, and you mentioned like knowing your local news people is you live in that community. So, you know, you, you, you really um, have to be respectful because if you do a bad job, like, you know, local people that you know and see are going to be upset about it. Right. So I think I, that's just since I did that most of my career, that's just kind of the way that I go about it. Yeah. Whereas I think some national people, it's like, oh, I'll never be back in this town again. Like, right. I can just kind of do my thing for three days and and then like, whatever, head you back know, to the, head back to the bureau. I'm so curious. Yeah. I'm so curious, Brian, because so much of what you do is so connected to the community in a really emotional and, and personal way. Um, a lot of the reason why I started the podcast was because I felt as if there wasn't enough focus on, there's plenty of focus on news ownership and there's plenty of owner, you know, back and forth about who does it right. But I always felt like the journalists who are the entrepreneurs in that, in that part of the world are, are sometimes they get, well, they probably get cattle called, yelled at, uh, confronted on the scene. Those kinds of things were happening more and more, not just for folks like yourself who have a camera on your shoulder. So you are identified immediately as media, but if you have a pad in your hand or you're trying to report and trying to tell the story, I felt as if it was becoming more and more difficult for folks like yourself to do the work because there is this, um, undercurrent of uh, either frustration or anger or distrust of the media. And so I felt like that was that was really sort of the impetus that started this project two and a half years ago. And now I'm just lucky because I get to talk to cool people like you about the work they do. But because you are so much on the front line in these moments, in these times, like, have you had interactions with folks that were unhappy with you? I mean, how do you sort of approach that kind of um, disposition when you when you get confronted if that happens? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's happened a lot. There's a lot of people kind of in our world today that don't like the media. Um, And it happens, I mean, a lot. Um, We've had some really uncomfortable moments. I'm just thinking back to, you know, being at scenes and and people who don't even have anything to do with the story will pull up and just like, you know, shout things at you, cuss at you. Um, 
And, and, you know, some people where they're just like clearly unhinged, it's like, you just like get back in the car and, you know, you don't want to like get into like a physical altercation, but uh, but most of the people just want to talk. And, um, like I found if you talk to people and like become a human to them, um, like they will sort of like, you can have like a normal conversation and most of the time they don't really change their mind. Like at the end of the conversation, they still don't really like the media, but I think they like, like you a little bit and maybe Mm -hmm. that helps a little bit. And they realize like that you do have integrity and that you're just trying to do your job. Um, So I've found that works a lot. Um, Unless, like I said, some people are just like so upset with the media when they show up and they're just like, when they start screaming like F you and stuff and you can just tell it's like, you know, it's not even worth it. Um, But, but I, I, I try to like be respectful with people and just, like, listen, you know, and, and some people have valid concerns. I mean, you know, the media is not perfect. So no, well, and I get that too. But also, I think I love that, that you make yourself human, right? Make yourself someone that is just just like them, um, in a connection kind of way. I had somebody not that long ago make um, reference to like, if you and I were having a conversation, and it was really, um, you know, a nice cordial conversation, prior to our conversation, if you were in your car, and I was in my car, and you cut me off, there'd be a good chance that I would not think about you as another human. And I might just, you know, yell a couple words at you or toss you the the New Jersey bird, if you will. Um, You know, it's those kinds of things, like where like, if you're separated out from people where you have the shield of social media or like even the separation of of your car and my car that we're less likely to connect and realize that that person is just a lot probably very much like me right just trying to get just trying to get to work or trying to deliver for the day or do what they need to do so making that connection even if it's not like you know you're coming over for dinner tomorrow night (laughs) even if it's just a um, human to human interaction that sometimes that can just sort of at least um blur the lines a little bit and maybe make people a little less willing to be angry and be, be yelling and unhappy with you, especially because you are there to, to report on what's happened in the community. Yeah, I know. You're so right. I think about that too with um, like, I, I like Twitter. I'm on Twitter a lot and you know, people are just so nasty sometimes on there. And it's just so easy to do that when you don't know the person and you're not like talking to them on the phone or face to face. Um so, yeah, I think when you like establish a connection with people, it, it like becomes real life and you're, you know, absolutely, you're, you have to kind of listen. And, and same with me. I mean, like I said, some of these people who have come up to me and complained about the media, like they have valid concerns and I'm listening to them, too. And I'm like, wow, they really aren't like that crazy about some of this stuff, you know? Right, right. Well, of course, everybody has a point of view and that's to be appreciated. It's just to me. um, especially when you are, you're not traveling with an entourage. You're not, you're not a member of Congress or a member of the, of the, you know, elected officials. So you're just there with your camera. I mean, worst thing you could do is toss a camera at them for crying out loud, right? Yeah. So, to protect yourself. And so that's a big piece of it. And especially because you have been on the front lines, mass shootings, all of these other things, emotions are so high in the country that that alone to me is always like my big thought is like, how do you walk into those um, experiences, knowing that you're there to do your job, but also knowing that there are folks that are probably very unhappy with the fact that there's any media at all in the world. Yeah, no, it's, it, and it's it, sadly, I mean, it's not like I, I could, you know, it's, it comes up a lot. I mean, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's routine now, but you know, every couple of weeks there'll be some kind of incident where someone will shout at us or some kind of weird thing, you know? So it's just kind of become part of the job at this point, yeah. you know? 
I guess that's what just kind of the way you have to do it. So you yeah. travel, you travel every week. Do you travel with other folks? Is it you on the road? How does that look for you? Cause obviously traveling is, it's hard regardless, but do you travel with other, other people on the, for, for news nation or is it just you on the road? Yeah. Yeah. I'm always with a little group. It's usually me. Um, my, uh, photographer, Louise, who's like one of my best friends who I've worked with, who I worked with before this job too, mm-hmm. which makes it a lot better because you're like traveling with a friend who I, yeah. you know, I trust and I've been with for a long time. Sure. Uh, and then our producer Lauren is usually with us, um, who I also have worked with before. Um, so it makes it a little more of like a little family, especially since you're on the road that much and to be with people that you trust and you kind of have each other's backs and, yeah. you know, if someone's in a bad mood or a good mood, you know, it, it it's not like we're just different strangers every week. So that, that does make it more manageable. That's great. That's great. So what trip, what trips are coming up next? How, so how I'm fa- in New York now. Um, we wrote this really kind of like insane story last night. I don't know if you caught it about this um, UFO whistleblower, this yeah. like senior intelligence um, official. So I'm working on that now. We broke that story last night and we're going to do more on that tonight. And then tomorrow morning I'm flying to Alabama. This is another crazy one. I don't know if you remember the um, the Casey and Vicky White story. Casey was an inmate in Alabama and fell in love with the jail administrator, Vicky. Mm-hmm. And then she helped him break out and they went on the run for several weeks yeah. last year. Yeah. And then there was this whole police chase at the end. She ended up killing herself. So his sentencing is on Thursday. And I was really big into that story. Like we were basically like chasing this couple around the country at the time. So I started... Um, uh, corresponding with Casey when he was in jail after all this went down and uh and like having phone calls with him so we're going to do that story tomorrow night Mm -hmm. for the sentencing in Alabama which will be interesting um and then the next week I'm going to go back to Michigan to work more on that story I was telling you about with the uh the China Chinese in the small town so how much how much heads I mean how how often do you know this far in advance where you're going to be this seems like a lot of planning it's it strikes me that there may be days where they'll say brian it's time for you to head to massachusetts uh yeah yeah if there's breaking news like some kind of awful tragedy you really don't have much time to you know it might just be a couple hours to get to the airport right um but i like follow-ups like i feel like our business doesn't do enough follow-ups yeah like on stories so i'll try to set stuff up like this this casey and vicky white story since i covered it so intensely last year, you know, we'll probably be the only network that goes to the sentencing on Thursday because everybody else just moves on. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that kind of sets us apart too. Like I like pitching stories like that. I love that. People remember, you know, they remember the story and then they want to know what happened. That's well, it's absolutely true. And it's become this sort of this fast moving. I can't even remember what the biggest story was four weeks ago, but I'm sure it was a big one. I'm sure it was one that we talked about over the dinner table, right? It's the one that we were, but now we're on to whatever the next is and we move quickly. And I love that because, um, I've talked to folks at a couple of other publications. Typically it's, it's, and it strikes me that maybe it is a new trend and maybe it's, I think it's a great trend. The fact that you're going, News Nation is taking the time to go back, to follow up, to, to look into sort of, and stay or stay a while at least to see what's happening. Capital B is another publication that's out of, um, uh, Georgia, and they do quite a bit of coverage of African-American communities and the impacts there, but they also have a, a plan or big stories that happen in these local communities to stick around, tell the story, tell the story a little differently, find those niches and find those opportunities. So I kind of hope that maybe that's a new trend that we can all kind of look out for because so many of the big networks cover the flash moments and then they move on to what's next. It's these smart 
entrepreneurial businesses like News Nation, some of the others that are saying, why don't we stick around and find out more? Because there are many, many more stories to tell. Yeah, I think that's what's exciting for me about working for News Nation, like a startup, is that you're trying to do things differently because you're new and you want eyeballs and people who want to see what they've always seen will watch, you know, the other networks that they've always watched. Um, so that that's what I think is cool is that like they're open to those ideas because we're trying to be different. Yeah. Um, that's just like part of the culture or how are we going to succeed? We can't just do what ABC and NBC and CNN and Fox are doing, you know? Right. Um, so to me, that's, it's harder a lot of the time right. because it's easy to just do the same stories everybody else is doing, <laughs> you know? Sometimes, oh, can't we just, yeah. Why does it have to be so different, you know? Right. But it's also um, really cool and exciting. Well, you can tell that it's definitely your passion, and it's something that, yeah. that really that you appreciate and enjoy for your in your career. Um, tell me, uh, when you're not on the road and you're not traveling, what kinds of are you are you are you vacationing yourself? Do you have like a a book that you have to read? Is there somebody podcast like tell give me a little background about Brian when he's not on the road and reporting, which I know is almost always. Yeah. So, I mean, it is almost always, and it is like, you know, it's just part of my life. I don't even think of it as a job so much, but yeah, I do love traveling in my free time. Um, I love like just getting as far away as possible, like, you know, Africa, South America, Asia, like I'll I'll go anywhere. Um, And I love like, now that I'm traveling so much for work, there's such a different feeling when you're traveling um, for fun. Like it makes, it makes me appreciate it more. Like even just like being able to have a drink on the plane and relax and not feel like you're I on need the to job. Be like writing a story that airs in 12 hours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, it's kind of shown me like even a, a different um, side and fun to travel. Um, so, uh, or even just staying in like, you know, a lot of times with work, you stay in like corporate hotels, you, you know, nothing against like a Marriott and stuff, but it's like fun, you know, when you go for fun, I'll stay at a, cool random independent hotel you know yes um so i i really enjoy that um i have three dogs uh which is kind of crazy too i have a golden retriever and two labs that are like my babies basically so um i enjoy spending time with them when i'm home what are, where uh, where is there someone to keep an eye on those uh guys yeah, yeah my, my my boyfriend thank goodness like you know watches that awesome. like, that's the other great thing about being in florida um being close to my, my parents and stuff and family. It's like, you have a lot of support for that kind of thing. So I can Absolutely. call my mom, leave tomorrow at two, go watch the dogs, you know? Yeah. Um, so that takes up a lot of time just having the dogs. I love them. Um, and yeah, just, you know, like Netflix, all the other just, Got it. you know, stuff that gets you kind of relaxed. Usually, yeah. The usual stuff. But I always like yeah. to know because sometimes people have, um, that the work is their life, you know, and that, that consuming news when, you know, even in their off time, they're reading books about newscasters and other people. So I'm always curious. So yeah, travel, let's get back to travel. It's so good to be on the road and see other things. And especially if you leave the U S when you're always reporting in the U S it's kind of nice to get that point of view, to be able to get a sense of sort of how things are outside of um, your usual. Yeah. And it's easy to get sucked in and like make this your whole life. Mm. Um, but I try not to do that just because, first of all, I mean, like, what fun would that be not having, like, other stuff going on, you know? Yeah. And then also, um, like, I mean, you know, you don't want to become a robot. Like, I think when you have a good personal life, um, it makes you a better reporter, too, because you, like, can relate to people who have normal lives. Absolutely. So you're not just, like, some guy traveling the country all the time, you know, to different tragedies, so, you know? I mean, well, because also, too, like, it would you probably lose that connection, right? If it was you'd yeah. be a little bit more, you know, be more routine and more... 
um, le- less likely to really connect. So Brian, as we get to the end of our conversation today, I'm curious, is there someone that you could recommend for a future episode for the podcast? Yeah, I would recommend Elizabeth Vargas, um, who is a um, anchor at News Nation. She just started a show. It's been a couple months now, um, but she had an amazing career. I mean, she's had like the most incredible, you know, interviewed all sorts of world leaders and presidents and been all over the world in war zones. So I think you'd be really interested in that. And then she's just got this interesting personal story of overcoming addiction. And I'm always fascinated by people who have these really intense struggles and lose a lot and like come back stronger, um, especially like in our industry. Mm-hmm. So, um, and she's done all of that with such grace. So I think that would be a really good one. I would love that. I will tell her that you nominated her too. Um, okay. Brian, this was so great. So episode two, News Nation, The Hill, both owned by Nexstar. So it's for folks who are wondering about the connection. Um, Brian, it was such a treat to catch you today. In between all your travels, I look forward to seeing you on the news and to connecting again with you in the future. Thanks so much. This was awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And there you have it, another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast in partnership with PR Daily and coming soon to a platform near you on Big Wig Podcasts. See you next week.